Welcome to Let's Talk Real Estate. I'm your host, Anna Olsisi, entrepreneur, realtor, and travel lover. Here's where I get to combine all of my passions into one and chat with guests worldwide about all things real estate. Join us for lighthearted banter, useful information, and the occasional outrageous anecdote. Hello, everybody. Today, we have a very interesting podcast because we are touching on something that we have never touched on before. It's something that I even had to learn about before interviewing our phenomenal guest. I think that anybody who deals uh, with foreign buyers and sellers or whatever um, might have some interest in this particular podcast and the information that we're going to share because it does involve foreign investments and such. Today we have Chai Trolley Carve. We're going to call her Chai. She is a wonderful, her background is in residential real estate and in commercial real estate and currently works for Golden Gate Global, which is a San Francisco-based company. It's one of the oldest EB-5 companies in America. And uh, she works mostly with immigration consulting, kind of PR, and gets the word out there about what Golden Gate Global does. Now, for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about and are just like I was before I started doing some research for this podcast, Chai is going to tell us all about it. She's going to first introduce herself and then let us know what EB-5 is. So Chai, welcome. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you, Anna. Let me thank you and Jasmine for putting this together. And I'm very glad for this opportunity. EB-5, um, as most Americans are aware, the desire to immigrate to the U.S. all over the world is very strong. Um, mm-hmm. The opportunities that America offers are very attractive to to the rest of the world and um, especially countries like India, Pakistan, um, South America, uh, Latin America, where there is political unrest, there is economic instability. People of high net worth are very interested and settling their children in the U.S. And that is where EB-5 comes in. I can pretty much say that most of our clients that decide to pursue an EB-5 investment for their children are doing it for their children more than themselves because they are already accomplished um, in their country. So what is EB-5? Right. Um, It is. I know. As everyone is aware, most foreign nationals immigrate to the U.S. either by um, a family connection or on an employment basis. There are several categories of this employment-based visa that U.S. immigration offers. EB-1, EB-2, EB-3, and EB-4 are related to a set of skills that an individual has. Employment-based Category 5, shortened as EB-5, is for, um, it's an investment-based category. It was started in 1990, and the goal of EB-5 was to attract foreign investment or foreign capital in the U.S. in the areas that needed it. Hence, that capital that gets invested in the U.S., 
must create jobs. And that's how it meets that employment-based category five um, visa category. Um, so this okay. investment that comes into the U.S. must create jobs and must create an economic impact. And that is the fundamental basis for an EB-5 visa. As you're, you're familiar, in 2008, 2009, um, we had a severe uh, real estate crisis. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of our um, home buyers think of it as having values of their real estate dropping or houses being sold for free. But the impact of it on the economy was there was a shortage of real estate capital. A lot of financing mm -hmm. was held back, not only for individuals, but for institutions that are development, real estate development companies. And so in 2006, seven, and uh, around that time, there was the EB-5 law was modified to accommodate the concept of pooled investment. Um, what oh. that means is that 10, 15, 20 investors can combine their capital and that capital serves as a basis for a real estate development project. Oh. So EB-5 today is really a way of fulfilling requirements of your capital stack when you are putting a big project together. Um, mm. That's what EB-5 really is. So what do the developers get? The developers get access to financing and the, the investors, hence, get access to the United States. So the return for the investors mm -hmm. is their green card. So that's how it came about. So I always, every time I am all over the world educating investors, I always get asked this question. Well, I have a cousin in California and he he insists that he's found this great restaurant. Can I come and buy this restaurant and invest in this restaurant? Mm -hmm. And my answer always is, well, yes and no, because in order for us to, it, it is a pretty complex issue, so I want to kind of try to simplify it, but I do mm -hmm. want to talk a little bit about the projects. So the projects have a certain criteria they have to meet. Most importantly, mm -hmm. the, the location of the project. Um, oh. Ideally, the project has to be located in areas that historically show um, higher rates of unemployment. Without going mm -hmm. into a lot of detail and getting very technical, um, that is the easiest way to explain it. And um, so how do, what do you do in the US that qualifies these projects? So you identify a location you put your capital stack together, you put a business plan together, and then that plan has to be approved through U.S. immigration. Once they improve the project as qualifying as an EB-5 investment, mm -hmm. then that project becomes eligible to raise funds. The minimum 
amount in this particular area known as targeted employment area is mm -hmm. 500,000 at the moment. And mm -hmm. then if you're out of the targeted employment areas, the amounts are $1 million. So you, you will see okay. a variety of projects for investment um, that are at 500,000 uh, threshold and a million dollar threshold. And is this per investor? Uh, it, or can it just be one person? It is uh, per investor um, okay. and a spouse and any mm -hmm. children under the age of 21 unmarried. Okay. okay. All right. And so it could be a relatively small project then for 500000 or a pool of 500000 like 10 different investors working correct. together. So, so to, to give you an example, there was a project in Orlando. It was a, a true by Hilton project, you know, um, and about the, about 250 rooms, the capital okay. stack, uh, approximately the raise was, uh, I believe the whole project was about 40 million, about $5 million of private equity. 16 million of institutional construction loan and then 16 million of EB5 funding. So oh, at 16 okay. million, because it qualified for the targeted employment area, they had 32 investors. And this was back in 2019. Um, okay. Who, so we had 32 investors raise $16 million. Um, the construction has happened and then the investors are in various stages of the immigration process. Um, just like any any country, U.S. immigration is a complex process. So oh, yeah. um, there are several stages of it, and we have oh, all had some experience of that. So Yes, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, and it kind of has to be. You know, I know a lot of people kind of knock it, but, you know, you, you can't just have anybody walk through the door. Let's just put it that way. Other countries will screen us and we should do the same, particularly with, with things like this. So, you know, exactly. we're exactly, I, mean, I am originally from India and I can tell mm -hmm. you for a fact that out of a billion people in India, most of them would want to be here, which is not workable. You know, mm -hmm. we have mm -hmm. to, um, we have to be careful and we have to have, um, so U.S. immigration has a quota system where it allows for the entire world to immigrate in certain categories, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, the, it is it is based on the country you are born in. So, mm -hmm. uh, for example, uh, for EB five category of visas, every year uh, only seven hundred investors can come in. So wow, it's not okay. a large a number mm -hmm. of uh, investors. And generally, um, these investors that are able to invest 500000 for a year period of five to seven years are investors who are whose net worth is significant, you know. So oh, yeah. um, the positive side of it is they're not there when they come into into the U.S., they really do contribute to the economy. Most of their children, at least in in most, I would say most EB-5 categories, whether Chinese, Indian, Korean, Japanese, their kids mostly at least get a bachelor's degree, if not master's, 
and PhD and they're smart kids. They go to Harvard mm -hmm. and um, and then the parents come here. The, the children are contributing significantly. Parents buy them a home, establish themselves here. So in general, it's a great program for the U.S. economy. Of course, it stimulates sure. it. Stimulates it also. I mean, I'm sure they did it because it stimulates it in-house with foreign money versus having any of our money going out, perhaps. I don't, you know, I would think that that's well, more desirable for the U.S. Yes. It is a great way to have access to funds, you know, mm -hmm. um, for sure. There is, um, and, and the U.S. Congress and certain senators have been paying close attention to the EB-5 mm -hmm. program. Um, there are integrity measures in place. Um, there are processes sure. in place to make sure that this money that comes in is um, money that is, that's well sourced, that right. there is a forensic sourcing done of this fund. So it, it is not a, uh, it is not drug money or it is not um, um, terrorist money, you know. Right. Um, my investors pretty much have to, pretty much have to provide 20 years of tax returns, pay slips, wow. income statements, uh, you name it. The diligence is amazing. Um, and it's really funny. Um, USCIS is almost so archaic. Um, we have uh, pictures of our uh, petitions going in that are in the big FedEx filing boxes because it, none of this is online. Oh my, so, oh my so, gosh. So it's <laughs> 20 years of bank statement, 20 years of taxes. Oh my they, gosh. Um, sales deeds, appraisals, you name it. Wherever that, that money has come from is sourced at the beginning. So it's an... And it takes a it takes on an average for an investor, even if they have all their documents together. Mm -hmm. I, I know people do filings within seven days, but a really mm -hmm. strong constructive filing would probably take thirty to sixty days. Okay, for sure. Well, that doesn't seem that long, though. I mean, really. So, so from that's just because they have. It takes them that long to gather their documentation right, and stuff like right. that. But when you think about it, that's almost what it takes to get like a loan for a person in the U.S. to buy just like a house. <laughs> so it's pretty much the same amount of time. So they really, I would think that they really have to have it all in order ahead of time. I mean, are there are there consultants throughout the world that really, and maybe this is, I have no idea if this is what you do, but who, who let them know, you know, these are the things you're going to have to have together in order to be able to do something like this. Absolutely. Um, and, Absolutely. Okay. So a usual cycle from the time time I meet an investor to them actually um, hiring an attorney, an immigration attorney, can take mm -hmm. anywhere from three months to six months to a year or two years. I haven't, because 
immigration is such a personal process you know there are just mm-hmm. so many factors that go into it you know and you and they are actually talking about leaving their country and immigrating to another country so there is mm-hmm. just so much time and and as a consultant you have to be tremendously empathetic and listen to them to understand why they should be doing this you know right. um, for yeah. sure and i personally have been more of a facilitator and mm-hmm. what i always tell them is to say that listen i'm not here to recruit you to immigrate to the united states if mm-hmm. should you wish to do so i can give you the information to do it but it, i am exactly. not selling united states to you i'm not encouraging you to immigrate to the us it's just an option that you have you know i definitely have to play that role of course yes yeah i mean that's it, it, i'm sure it's a very slippery slope so you can't um you can't tell them what to do <laughs> you know and they, they have to it has to be something that really comes from from them yeah, and yeah, and yeah. all that. yeah yeah for and sure it's and certainly I, not for the faint hearted you know considering all the steps involved in EB5 they really have to really have well, to be and and they have to exactly well i mean you're you're picking up and leaving and exactly. so you know that's essentially what's happening so um I come from a family of immigrants, but they were forced to do that. They didn't really, you know, it wasn't as, as smooth of a process. It was more like an overnight kind of process, but, um, but yeah, you know, so, so that's, that's incredibly interesting. Where are you seeing, cause you did mention some countries, are the countries more toward the East? Um, the ones that, that are predominantly doing this. So the biggest demand for EB5 was from China. Okay. In, but remember, I told you about um, certain quotas for each country. Mm-hmm, so exactly. every year, only 700 investors can get a visa once they are approved. So the demand right. from China in 2012, 2013, 2014 was so high that there are thousands of Chinese now waiting in line. So some of them, uh, because only 700 are eligible every year, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a good 10 years before that backlog is cleared. So China was the highest in demand, uh, followed by Vietnam. India, Mm -hmm. which is my country of origin, and that's that's how I trans... uh, I change, you know, I kind of, um, from re- my move from real estate to EB-5 mm-hmm. was suddenly mm-hmm. due to the fact that American Venture Solutions, which is the first company I worked for, was looking for somebody of Indian origin to be able oh. to go to India. It, it okay. does, it does help that I've it did help that I was from India because I understood it, you know. Of course. Um, and there's definitely, it definitely helps to have a cultural connection. Um, in my case, um, 
in India, everybody speaks English. So language is not a barrier. But mm -hmm. um, my colleague, Danielle, uh, primarily works in Latin America and Spanish definitely helps. I mean, it's, it's not yes. a region of uh, the world that I could probably go to and uh, be able to, because so much is about a personal connection. So much is yes. about about the trust you know um of course I, and and there are nuances in every single country in south america <laughs> so yes. you know language changes you know and everything so it's not just spanish it's understanding the culture behind exactly. it yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, and i see i see danny uh, danielle she'll tell me well well and as the political uh, scenarios mm -hmm. change in each one of those countries mm -hmm. our phones ring depending on that you know um yep. india is pretty stable um india is a country it's a world's greatest democracy in a way pretty stable so the demand out of india is because so many indian children want to be educated in the u.s and then they want oh. to stay and they want to work and that's where eb5 becomes very valuable to them but um, the family established families generally do not want to move to the u.s it's the children that do coming from india um, so we've covered india vietnam had huge demand vietnam had a um, uh, china then smaller countries malaysia um, bangladesh for sure, South Africa, Pakistan, hmm. but predominantly Vietnam, Latin America, and uh, India is what you're going to see moving forward. Yeah. Naturally, not much in Europe or Australia because they are uh, developed countries, you know, so not exactly. so much from Europe, Australia, New Zealand, that right. part of the world. Right, sure. right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and I I had thought that perhaps Russia, but maybe not. So I guess no, is, that would, a yeah. lot of interest yeah. from Russia. And you were right on it when mm -hmm. you were mentioning mm -hmm. Russia, because, uh, you know, it's interesting that we are in Florida. And just before we were, um, we, we were getting on, I was reading my feed and uh, I read this uh, note that said, uh, you know, Florida, especially South Florida is going to be a startup capital of US now because so much is happening down there, you know, yes. and so many nationalities, so many, um, and, and we get a lot of inquiries from a lot of realtors out of Miami because the, the natu natural progression of thought is I will go buy an apartment in Miami for a million dollars plus and then what do i do and we have a lot of realtors calling us um we had uh, we we've played around with the idea of going to different real estate offices and um really educating them on eb5 so that they can educate their uh, clients and help them pursue an option is it, something we have definitely thought about for yeah. sure. 
Well, that sounds very interesting. And then you can tell me if I'm completely off on this because, but I was just thinking like in South Florida, I know that a lot of people end up buying properties that serve as Airbnbs. And so if you buy a portfolio of those and then create these jobs to go along with them as property managers, people who take care of these residences and whatnot, I wonder if people are seeing that kind of demand because real estate of course can be residential or commercial and the these people buying these condos it's residential it's not but then it can kind of move to the i guess the the line between commercial and, and residential and it could that be, point. they are creating jobs they are investing capital the problem here is the location of those properties right they are not necessarily mm-hmm. going to be in um, targeted employment areas. Oh, that's right. I didn't think. Yeah. Well, but you said they have to invest a million in order yes. to not and be in that. Did. So yes. if they did, and yeah. It's certainly doable because there mm-hmm. are two paths. So one is the, mm-hmm. the concept of pooled investment. And there mm-hmm. is what's called a direct EB-5 where mm-hmm. you could do something similar. You, you know, you could mm-hmm. club. You, and for them to follow that path would be to really plan it well, um, meet with mm-hmm. an immigration attorney, and mm-hmm. then develop. Uh, and so you you would meet with an immigration attorney. You there are specialized um, business plan writers for these direct EB fives. You know, so um, if they could meet with them and then strategically start developing this business that would then qualify for EB-5. It's certainly um, possible, you know, uh, definitely doable. That sounds very interesting. And would that be something that Golden Gate Global or you in particular would be able to connect people with these people who can write these business plans, the attorneys, the immigration attorneys who can help them and all that? Is it a sort of like um, vendor recommendation list if you will yes (laughs) i don't know because in its own way eb5 Mm -hmm. is a small world you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i could definitely recommend people Uh, golden gate global is a entity which is a regional center primarily engaged in capital raises for eb5 projects you know so Mm -hmm. they are not likely to want to dip into business because it's almost contradictory or are almost adding another uh, another entirely different uh, dimension to what they're primarily doing so um, but uh, could I do it if I I would almost do it from the goodness of my heart or maybe <laughs> on an agreement that they use me to use my real estate brokerage to purchase these properties and then we could help them put it together, you know, for sure. That would be of interest. It would be very exciting actually to, to be able to do that. Because you, you have that knowledge on both ends. Exactly. um, exactly. Yes. Um, The, uh, the direct EB fives are a longer process. They are tricky because um, the biggest difference between the two is the direct mm-hmm. ones have to have 10 full-time employees um, mm-hmm. to, to meet that immigration criteria. So 10 employees yeah. on a payroll. So um, even Within though the threshold years. is a million, 
you and me know that 10 employees probably oh, yeah. we're talking over two or three million dollars it it really of has course. to sustain itself but if it's a good yeah. business why not yeah. you know oh sure you know that you want your business to thrive so that you can employ people for millions of dollars that's that's exactly the point but yes and I I guess it just depends on the business and the um the types of employees that you have because if you're employing people who are more entry level or you know just profession like a manager and and I don't even know what what kinds of industries these in particular are so if they're more like um executive type things um I don't know firms of some kind versus things like restaurants. Um, so then you're going to have different kind of people that are employed. Yeah, but yeah. getting 10 people in two years, right? Is that what it is within yeah. the first two years? to be sustained, I would say, over a period of three to four years. Um, okay. You know, um, so it, it is a tedious process. But mm-hmm. if, if somebody completely committed to it and has the access to capital, can mm-hmm. definitely do it. You know, it's it's definitely mm-hmm. doable for sure. Yeah. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. Now, I know you mentioned the types of areas within cities or whatever or states that, you know, would be the, the more distressed areas or areas where, you know, you need to have create employment opportunities. Are there certain states or cities that you are noticing that have more um, EB-5 type of people coming in for investments and all that? You know, so it's it's very interesting, right? So my first project that I I was consulting on, I uh, it was a aggregate uh, mine out of South Florida, you know, hmm. um, near Fort Pierce. And if you look at what the EB five is meant to accomplish, it was mm-hmm. a textbook project. You know, it was an aggregate mine that produced rock, had 12 different varieties of rock used to, for decorative purposes, equestrian sand, to making roads, you know. Um, It was a beautifully structured textbook EB-5 project. But try taking it to a foreign country and saying, guys, you got to invest half a million dollars in this business, you know, mm-hmm. so um, you're always, yeah. and to you and me, because we live in Florida and we understand the growth and we understand what's happening, we we can say that, yes, this business is going to survive. I'm going to have my immigration process and eventually the return of my funds, you know, that you and me have that comfort level. But Unfortunately, it was very appealing in Vietnam, um, but in India, people just had such a huge um, comfort with owning real estate or, Mm. um, you know, had much more comfort with uh, multifamily projects or hotels. And especially if you, they they had brand names involved, you know, like Mm -hmm. Hilton or Intercontinental, there was a very... um, so it it's just varies. I've seen a lot of projects in Florida, um, from in New York. Uh, I I did there is a project in Louisiana. 
um, there's a project in Montana. So you huh. will you will find them Montana. all over. <laughs> and Golden Gate Global's project is right there in Oakland. It's a multifamily. Um, they've done 13 raises for it, you know. So wow. um, it is a very marketable, understandable project, you know. So yeah. so that does matter. for if, if you look at it from the success of ra- being able to raise funds, mm-hmm. you will see that uh, areas that people are familiar with you're mm-hmm. going to say uh, see a higher comfort level um, with those projects well, that that makes tremendous sense um now you know i was i was thinking about it while we were talking and you know obviously we've got these foreign investors who are contributing to these projects i think you said earlier like it was like 40% or 60% of of the investors were were the foreign ones maybe i got that that percentage wrong. Um, and then the rest were like local, like American, um, investors. Is that, is that correct? It's split up. Um, no, what I meant was, uh, this is definitely a program for non U S persons, you know, people that are seeking a way Mm -hmm. to permanently reside in the U S and eventually, you know, so all the investors are, are foreigners, from different countries. It's just what I was talking about was typically you'll see a project that's structured or, the, you know, what what is a common term um, capital stack of a project. So if it mm-hmm. needs $20 million, a portion of that $20 million would come from money that's raised uh, through EB-5 investors. Right, so The yes. rest of the money uh, would probably be a... U.S. financial institution lending mm-hmm. a loan and then a, maybe a private equity of the developer himself. Yes, and and that's, and that's what I was saying. I, you yeah. said it much more eloquently, but that's that's exactly yeah. what I was asking. Yeah. Is like it, yeah. it's a it's a mix, and it's so a mix. yes, and, and so is the reason that they are flagged as good EB five investment opportunities. Is it because? more American, you know, either private equity firms or something do not want to put money into it? Or are they or are they created kind of with that in mind that this can be an EB-5 project or investment? It has to largely do with cost of capital mm-hmm. fundamentally. So as you're aware, a construction loan probably costs anywhere from eight or nine percent to 11 mm-hmm. or 12 yeah. percent um, mm-hmm. so what the eb5 funds do is it's uh, typically the rate of return offered to the investors mm-hmm. is much lower than what a institutional lender would charge so gotcha. the attraction to the developers is the access to lower cost money uh, gotcha. that's why uh, the projects or the developers are interested in EB-5 money. They're just trying to mm-hmm. leverage. And I guess yeah. the lesser the cost of their investment, mm-hmm. the more money they make on the project. Of course. Of so course. Yeah. That's okay. the logic okay. behind it. That's why I was wondering, it's like, why Why do they want the form? But it's just, it's, it's, 
I'll call it easy money. I mean, it, it's it, it, it's easy money. Yeah, it's very simple. It's guaranteed. Yeah. It's cheap money, right? Cheaper money that mm-hmm. that is that they have access to for at least five years. You know, yeah. Um, that's what it is. It's uh, okay. And you know, in all fairness to the developers, um, they have to, as as I mentioned earlier, the. EB-5 cycle is a long one, you know, it mm-hmm. takes a while to get the capital stack together. So a lot of them use mezzanine loans so the project mm-hmm. can continue and they're not waiting on the funds to come in. But even then, in the long run, the it mm-hmm. ends up being so much cheaper than borrowing in the mm-hmm. U.S. And that's, and they, and all they have to be compliant. They have to be transparent. They do get audited, you know, so they mm-hmm. are, um, they do have investment in documents, investment in attorneys. Um, they have to be compliant. So even taking all of that in account, EB-5 Capital is still attractive to them. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that will, right. Uh, again, Easy money. Easy money. Easy money. So, yeah, yeah. So, okay, I have a couple of last questions because I know we have to wrap up, but um, two things. So, so your background, like I said, um, residential and commercial real estate, how did you become involved with this? So, as, as you're aware, in, in Florida, um, in central Florida, which is where mm-hmm. uh, I did most of my real estate uh, transactions. We also had uh, developers coming up here looking at land. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just so happened that um, the the developer behind my first project um, also has a portfolio of multifamily units all all over Florida, Tennessee, and mainly in those two states and and um we were associated we were friends and um he offered me this opportunity he was like listen we need somebody to go to india would you be interested and it was right around the time when my older son was uh, a senior and my younger one was a few years behind and Mm -hmm. i felt like i could travel because it involved traveling Uh, and I do have family and friends in India so it was a great opportunity to go back and reconnect but um, but I have to say the first year was really hard because I had to go to India and figure out how to find investors you know Um, you can't really I mean Google and Social media are not really the means to find them, you know, and that's, you, that could, yeah, it yeah. could be another long story. And, and confidentiality, sure. people don't want to discuss yeah. their immigration plans. The referrals don't, do not come as easy because people don't really want to tell their friends and family right. that they are, you know. Considering so, leaving, it really yeah. had its challenges. It was a lot of perseverance, and it takes a lot of patience. It, it really, I think, EB five makes uh, real estate selling of real estate a cakewalk. 
you know, because um, yeah. a walk in the garden, because <laughs> all you got to do is show property. And if they like it, they can, yeah. they will buy it, you know. That's so fantastic. Um, that's how my journey started. And, and it's very interesting. It's very appealing to me. I love meeting these families. And now I have families. I feel like they are my, I'm part of their family, you know, because oh. their kids were young and they came here and they got into colleges and they have their green cards and they have these, this beautiful bright future ahead of them you know and it, as a parent it's yeah. very very fulfilling uh, yeah. it's really good to see these individuals contributing to american economy you know um, yes for sure and it's a positive intellectual contribution and i really like that it's very appealing i love it very satisfying Oh, I'm sure. I um, I oh, I I love to see that as well. Obviously, yeah. it makes me very happy when I see um, people, you know, coming to the U.S. and making such a positive impact when they wouldn't have otherwise had the opportunity to do it. You know, and so maybe the kids would have on an education visa, but then they would have had to leave, and so this is you know gives them the opportunity to stay and really contribute further life. So yeah, yeah, no, that that's. Fantastic. And so you reside in North Central Florida, as do we. Um, you're yeah. just you're just south of us, right? Are you? Yes, in, that yeah. is correct. In Mount Dora, Florida. Oh, that's okay. We'll talk yeah. about that. Yeah. And so I know I'm very familiar with Mount Dora. And so you know, in your company, the company you work for is in San Francisco. So so why why do you stay in Florida, and why should people invest here? Um, so. <laughs> Really, um, it is truly a global profession. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want what my goal is to educate my investors on good investment opportunities where their mm-hmm. immigration process is smooth and that mm-hmm. they do get their capital back. And I truly feel that Golden Gate Global offers it. You know, mm-hmm. It's a company that puts good projects with integrity measures and Mm -hmm. transparency and they do take care of their investors and um when i first started i was i had heard of them and i wished i would work for them one day and here i am so i don't have to be in um covid made us even yeah, increased our ability to work remotely. Um, and really, my true work lies in the countries that I visit and I educate and consult with people. And then I I will, I do like a San Francisco based company. It's a my team is great. I really yeah. love them. They're, they're very supportive and yeah. very easy to work with. That's wonderful. And and then you can visit San Francisco and still live in Florida. So that's fantastic you too. You. <laughs> you can go I there in the summer. For the world to open so I can go to San Francisco and visit Indeed. my investors for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, for sure. Yes, Especially traveling. Especially now, right? In the month of July and August. When right. 
<laughs> that's what I was saying. I'm like, oh, go in the summer. It's so much nicer. Uh, so yeah, yeah. But stay here. You know, well, I guess San Francisco doesn't matter that much because it's pretty much the same year round. But uh, yeah. yeah, you know, so. Uh, the traffic yeah. matters though, right? I mean, Indeed. That's the yeah. beauty of, that's the beauty of living in the central and north central Florida areas oh, yeah. where, where we've got the smaller educated towns so that's nice you know especially Gainesville um not that I'm saying Mount Dora isn't but I'm just saying Gainesville in particular being you know with the university and the medical centers and everything we're just it's well educated and it's got just a great culture you know and so so it's got that wonderful vibe I guess and we have technology and innovation so you know yeah, we're practically yeah. we're practically San Francisco without traffic and, and that kind of restaurants. weather <laughs> yeah exactly so that's wonderful well I'm just you know we'll we'll speak outside of the podcast of course because I, I am very interested in this I just find it so fascinating and it's something that I had never even heard of before until we uh, connected I'm really happy that we did because the podcast of course educates people from every walk of life and possibly every profession. So not just, you know, the, the the typical residential real estate that everybody is used to from HGTV, but these are much more global matters. And as we become smaller and the world, you know, continues to shrink, it's very interesting to be able to see that there are opportunities like this for uh, foreign investors and people who want to come and, and help us continue to improve the United States. So the that's land of opportunity. Indeed. For, true, you know? for sure. Oh, for sure. I definitely know that. I'm very blessed to be able to live here and to have had my family come here. So and um, I feel the same. That's the fundamental drive behind mm -hmm. what I do. Um, I think this is a great country and I love it here. So. Indeed. For sure, for sure. So, yes. So, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and sharing all this great information with us. I look forward to speaking with you some more. Uh, and I hope that everybody who's listening who is interested in this, even just in learning more about it, uh, would be able to um, or will be encouraged to reach out to us and uh, perhaps we can connect you with them and uh, you can talk further about it, whether they are people who are interested in helping from the American side or who are foreigners who might be interested. Exactly. For sure. For sure. So excellent. Well, thank you, Chai, for being on the podcast. Thank you for spending your time with us. And I thank everyone for listening. I hope you learned as much as I did. And I look forward to another fantastic guest on the next one. So take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. If you like what you hear and want to learn more about real estate and hear the occasional funny story, then hit that subscribe button right now. And if you know of someone who'd benefit from listening, then tell them to subscribe too, or else they may feel a little left out. For questions, topic suggestions, or nice comments, send an email to Anna at SegwayRE.com. We can also connect on Facebook at SegwayRE. Thanks for listening as we bring you a new way of doing real estate. Bye!